Hey guys, if you're struggling with maximizing midlife for any stage of your life, I encourage you to check out my new guide, the No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife and Getting Back What Matters Most. In the guide, I cover the three core principles that have helped me to become a better man, husband, father, provider, and athlete. At 48, I've been able to simplify my life, reduce stress and anxiety, perform at a higher level, earn more, be happier, and have more fun. I wanted to share not just my why, but my how with all of you. So to get your free copy, go to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide, or follow me on Instagram at Greg Scheinman, where there's a link to the guide in my bio. It is time for another Midlife Mail podcast. Greg Scheinman here. Thank you so much for joining me this week and every week. Building a brand is a critical part of athletes setting themselves up for success after retirement. And it's tough to do alone. And that is where Doug Sanders of Sanders Sports and Entertainment, SSE, comes in. Doug joins me on the show today. He is a seasoned veteran in the sports and entertainment industry and has been the genius behind cultivating many athletes' brands and growing them into international stars. Just over six years ago, he went on to start his own company, Sanders Sports and Entertainment, which is a brand management firm that oversees some of the NFL and NBA's most notable and recognized, including... NBA champion Nick Swaggy P. Young, Super Bowl champion receiver Chris Godwin, NFL All-Pro receiver DeAndre Hopkins, Pro Football Hall of Famer Terrell Owens, and many others. Sanders has helped build each player's brand away from the game, whether it's through marketing deals, media appearances, or helping out in the local community. His goal is not just to make these players the most money possible, but to help them make an impact in the areas they're most passionate about now and in the future. Doug is a great guy. He is a husband. He is a father. He is a straight shooter. And I really appreciate him taking the time to come on the show today. Doug Sanders, Midlife Mail Podcast. Let's get into it. Doug, thanks for joining me. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. No, I, I appreciate it. First, I want to ask you, uh, how was Miami? How was that whole experience for the uh, Ocho Cinco fight, the Mayweather fight? I saw that you were down there. I got to ask what that was all about. Man, that was, um, you know, it was an incredible experience, incredible to watch Chad. But I'll be honest, I was nervous. I was nervous because, you know, you saw what happened with Nate Robinson, and I knew how much Chad put into the fight. And I knew he did a, a true training camp with the Charlo twins and like really put the time and effort into it. But you, it's a fight. You never know what can happen. And that's not his first sport, right? Um, so I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, this is, this is nerve wracking. Um, and then on the flip to that, the Mayweather fight, I've actually, you know, been blessed to be able to attend a number of fights. That wasn't as appealing to me. But it was it was fun to see. I mean, they put on a show, so no doubt. Well, look, as as somebody who has boxed uh, for years, you know, anybody that has the courage to take the risk to get in the ring, you know, yes, says 
says a lot. And I really, I, I, I'll, I'll get into your background in a second, but I did like what he said. I'll, I'll mess it up a little bit, you know, here, but to the effect of, again, taking a risk, you know, not being afraid to take a risk in life, you know, to put yourself out there and to be such a public figure, to do it so publicly, you know, yeah. we can take risks. I can take a risk. Nobody sees it, you know, <laughs> for the most part, you take a risk out there in public. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your philosophy, you know, for risk. And you work with high profile clients too, and how you kind of evaluate the risks maybe you should take, we yep. should take, the risks maybe, maybe you want to rethink, you know? A yeah. bit. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, I, I think it's important to take risks. I think Chad hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, just complacency as a whole gets you stuck. Right. And if you if you want to grow and you want to blossom and you want to do more, it's important whether it's you or I taking the risk or the clients itself. Now, there are clients that take risks that are not calculated. And I'm like, hold on, let's pump the brakes. Let's slow down. Let's find a process to this to make sure the outcome um, is where it needs to be. Right. Because with a calculated risk, you're, you're finding ways to really elevate and make sure you're getting to that point that you're looking for um, rather than just going by the the wayside and saying whatever and go with it. So I think it's, it's truly about finding the ways to help the guys manage those kind of risk and take the risk at the right moments and find something that helps them elevate after taking that risk. And I, you mentioned Chad and I think it was perfect, right? He's, he's, stepped into uh, the PBA and, and rode a bull. He's literally tried out for an MLS team. He's raced a horse. Like his whole thing is taking a risk, but when he does it, he does it, I mentioned it earlier, he, he does it the right way and actually trains for it and doesn't disrespect the, that person's you know profession by any means. Mm-hmm. When you get into this, like, in reading your background, you came from University of Arizona and you wanted to get into the sports business. And, you know, so I get the why, you know, uh-huh. the, the excitement of sports and entertainment. Um, and now you talk about working with clients responsibly, mitigating risk, you know, pulling them back sometimes, you know, from excitement. Where did this kind of also maturity, you know, and, and over time come into play to be able to say, okay, you know, I don't want to just jump in right with like it's so easy to go and just jump right in with you and like yeah it's much much harder to say pump the brakes you know and yeah. we're going to look at this you know differently kind of that balance a little bit between the excitement of the industry you're in and the responsibility that you also have to run it like a business yeah i i've mentioned this before but i got um uh, early education in entertainment as a whole. My sister was in the entertainment industry as we were growing up. She's a bit older. So going through high school, I saw her being one of the biggest platforms and biggest stages of her life. And she was on the first season of American Idol. I got thrown into the mix just by way of, you know, being family and being around it, signed to a major record label deal, seeing that, right? So as I was there and around it, I saw the business of entertainment and management as a whole and how they approach the business and how, because they truly have to build those artists, right? Like it's not just about your, your voice is amazing and you can go sing and get record sales through the roof, right? Like they had to truly build that and, and craft that and develop it. So 
early on, I saw that approach and I thought I was going to go into entertainment. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm going into entertainment. I'm, I'm going to represent, you know, entertainers, actors, whatever. And I was going to do the same thing. What happened was I went into sports, um, you know, thankfully being at Arizona and meeting these guys. So what I try to do was bridge the gap between the two throughout the years. And I've seen that. And I think that early education has been so impactful and helpful because it's not just about saying, you know what, let's jump into it, do everything, be crazy. But no, we can truly guide and craft them to make sure that we're making smart business decisions throughout. And I've always felt, I know it sounds a bit cliche, but I've always felt that athletes were bigger than the sport, right? And if you can build it and make sure you're managing these risks and everything else, then they truly can build a legacy beyond their playing days. Mm. And, and I definitely want to get into that. The also the, I think we're, we're at a time where athletes, you know, they are entertainers. You know, you talked about going into the entertainment business and thinking maybe I would go that way. And then I started working with athletes, but I think, you know, as we've watched, you know, sports and entertainment, and there are so many ways to see sports, you know, there's so many outlets, so many different varieties, even of, of sports. And then we haven't even touched on the branding aspect of it and the product side of it, but athletes as entertainers you know, are as global, you know, in a way, if not more so, um, you know, than, than entertainment, entertainment as well. Uh, how do you also work you know, kind of look at that between the on-field, you know, the responsibility as an athlete, but as an individual and an athlete who may transcend and be bigger than the game with these other opportunities, kind of the balance between what you do on-field, what you do off-field, how you make sure the priorities, you know, again, are are in order. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's really, I look at it in the sense of the guys having buckets, right? Your one bucket is you as the athlete. And we are going to overfill that bucket. Like the, the reality is if they're not at the highest level as a competitor and as an athlete, as you know, within their true profession, that other bucket doesn't spill over. That other bucket doesn't get to be able to be ran into, right? So our first bucket has to spill over. I need you no matter what to be at the highest level as a professional athlete, because that's who you are first and foremost. But that's not end all, right? We have more. So if we look at the secondary bucket, right? That secondary bucket then could be filled and ran over just as much. So as we craft sort of the brand and we craft who they are outside of the game, I, no matter what, make sure that that comes first and foremost. And it's funny, you, you even think about some of my current athletes. I make sure I'm aligning with the team. I make sure I'm aligning with coaches front office because I don't ever want them to misinterpret what we're trying to build outside of the game to make it seem as if they're disinterested or they don't care about what matters most. And that's that at the times of sports, right? Mm -hmm. But then certain aspects happen and you look at, you know, social injustices or things like that, where sometimes you really have to lean in on who they are as a person and an individual, because sometimes that does start to impact the game. Right. And we've seen it, you know, games were canceled, you know, all these different things were happening. So it's it's about finding a balance between it, but never losing sight of who they are as an athlete. And I think individually, 
you're seeing a lot more of of athletes, the human side of them. You know, yeah. not having having a voice, wanting a voice, demanding a voice. You know, yeah. putting those things out there, um, and it is you know, an interesting dichotomy between being part of an organization, part of a team, and now these individuals and athletes having their own team, you know, their own teams in a way, you know, being brands and large scale, you know, properties of their own to, you know, be able to say what they want to say, do what they want to do, but also be respectful of, you know, of the relationship with the team. I mean, there's still an employer employee relationship there. And somebody also has to be the level one in the middle to to manage again and, and steer all those things. Yeah. And it's funny if we talk about like the past a little bit and and I can look at, you know, my favorite athletes, they didn't have that opportunity. Right. And I think it's the emergence of social and the ability to connect with your audience because you've grown your audience so vast and so big that you can connect and reach with them. It's not just having to reach with them through the team's PR or, or through the team itself or Sunday games only. Right that you want to make sure that you're always in constant contact and finding that balance because sometimes that gets overshadowed because the guys can reach but if i if i talk about our 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 you know previous athletes right that we always looked up to they didn't necessarily have that reach so this is still new and this is still young to our athletes and they have to understand the power that they hold also because now they have such a sort of you know, responsibility to make sure they're handling it properly. Yep. So before we got on this and and we're supposed to start and then there's a client issue comes up and you got to jump and you got to hold on this. Um, and of, and of course, cool, when we say jump, jump, whatever business you're in, we all have clients. We all got to do your business in particular, you know, really so super focused on, on your people, your clients, those relationships, 24 hours a day, whatever it takes in there. How do you also make sure that you maintain your own identity, you know, your own routine, your own boundaries, you know, with yourself, with your family and your clients getting to the point of transcending those relationships so that that also, that respect is mutual. You know, yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, that you, that's a hard one. I'll be honest. It's a hard one because for me in the business that I'm in, especially being on the talent side and being so close to them, I truly feel like they're family. So oftentimes I go, you know, I hate to say it this way, but I would assume is a bit above and beyond, but that's because I care for them so much. And I want to make sure at all times I'm giving them the proper, not only attention they deserve from a business standpoint, but from a personal standpoint as well. Like I'm there. So to be honest, it's it's about finding the balance between it and communication. As long as I, we have that open communication, they understand where I'm coming from. And then my wife and my family and my kids understand, hey, daddy has to do this. I have to go. But also it's about finding that time for myself. So whether it's getting up extra early and knocking out a gym session and getting some good cardio in and then that steam room and I'm refreshed and ready to go, you need that balance. So it's it's a work in progress always. I'm not going to say I'm the best at it, but I've been trying to find, you know, a bit of a routine that helps find the balance between being with the guys, you know, going above and beyond and making sure I'm there for my family. Mm-hmm. 
how much did the business change over the last you know, year plus with the pandemic? You know, maybe the the inability to travel. You know, guys are all over the place. And guys are living, not necessarily where the teams are. You know, you're out in California. How much did the business change? Were you able to connect the same way with your clients? More so because this, the way we're communicating right now, this became more of the norm, you know? Did it or, or did it not really impact? The one great thing was sports took a very small timeout, right? But they got it together, they figured it out, and it sort of, I would say, brought us all together, right? We could come back around, NBA went to the bubble, the WNBA went to the bubble, they figured it out quickly, the NFL figured out how to bring it back quickly, that the amount of like sort of time that I had to try to figure it out was pretty short. And I'm thankful that I didn't miss out on a lot of opportunities. Our our business changed, but it changed in a short term. Um, and I would say it, it focused more so on not necessarily what we can do from a brand perspective to, you know, sponsor things and, and sell items. It was how can we come together as athletes as leagues to support everyone going through these tough times and through this pandemic, right? So a lot of the stuff that we shifted to and which is really, really important for me is charitable endeavors. How do we help frontline workers? How do we help those suffering in this time? And that was the push and drive that we had early on during the pandemic. Mm. And we still do. When you talk about, awesome, transition, I want to touch on this too, transition from the game, even into other aspects of, of life. You know, I, I deal with a lot of men also who are transitioning, you know, look, it's, it's, it's midlife into later life, you know, is this the beginning of the end or is this the beginning of the, of the beginning, you know, and with athletes, it happens very early in you know, that, that transition, or even that called midlife crisis, if you will, when career spans are typically short, you know, and you could be retired at an extremely young age. You could be retired, not necessarily having to work again because the finances are taken care of. You could be retired because there's not a spot for you in the game anymore. And you may need to be doing doing other things. How do you work with, with either you know, your clients on that transition? You know, the realities of, of career span, you know, setting, it, setting it up. A lot of the guys that I know... In, there's so much, they're just used to being on a schedule, you know, like on a schedule, you know, a regimen. And then certain things are when they're not with the team, they go away and too much time can be dangerous, you know, and all, all of those things. That is super, super hard to deal with. Um, I've experienced it with a number of clients now, and thankfully I'm, you know, helping them to continue to grow beyond the game, um, beyond their playing years. Most recently, Channing Fry, for instance, and Channing is a little bit unique in the sense that he knew that if his love and passion and drive for the game started to dwindle a bit, that he was going to hang it up. Whereas I think oftentimes athletes, it gets stripped from them and they're like, wait, what the heck do I do now? So Channing and I actually set up a game plan because I had seen it. And I wanted him to be prepared. I wanted him to be ready because there is life and so much life after sports, but it's so hard for the guys you hit the nail on the head with to even think about that because they're so caught up in that daily grind, that routine and, and trying to 
amass and, and reach for that championship, right? Um, that they're not always thinking about the years that they have ahead of them. So thankfully, Channing understood that I have seen it. I knew what it took. I knew where we could go with him. And he started once he told me, and I don't know if he's ever said this, so I, I'll put it out there anyway, but <laughs> I think it was all-star break that year. Um, and he was in Cleveland. They blew up the team, like right at the beginning of the season. Like he, it was really, really hard on him. And he was like, I, I think this may be the time. And I was like, okay, so what's, what's ahead? Because we have, you know, a big, big future ahead. And here's what I think you could do. Here's how I think we could set you up. But I say all that and, you know, Channing will admit that he's had struggles through it all, right? Because it's easy, way easier said than done. And Channing has struggled with, you know, having that taken away from him, even though he left the game, you know? Mm. It's about being around a family. It's about having that routine and, and having that sort of, North Star that's no longer there. So now what are you battling for? What are you fighting for as an athlete? Absolutely. Uh, can you instill or, or are your clients and you instilling the same type of passion for, for other endeavors outside again, the game that, that they have, you know, for the game, I would imagine. And that's, and that's my dog who probably wants some of my time right? and, and she's not going to get it. So that's how this works. Right? <laughs> or the Amazon guy who's at the door right now with something. Okay. They Hopefully should. it's something good though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, where, where I wanted to get to on this was trying to find alternate areas of opportunity and passion you know, um, for athletes to kind of live in an, in that next phase, you know, and how you associate, you know, kind of make those brand partnerships, create them and find out what your athletes and your clients are passionate about, meld that and think of and come up with that plan, you know, for them. Um not to say it's a total replacement for, you know, for what they do on field, but we are seeing more athletes right now, not just represent the product, you know, and hold it up, but really want to get deep into the brand before they associate with it, invest in the brand, be a part of it. Just the way deals are done seems to be very different, you know, right now. Yeah. Um, there's been an extreme in, in a much needed shift in the sense that they're not just an endorser of a product any longer. They're actually getting ownership in that. And that's helping them develop as businessmen earlier and earlier. Um, that's something that a number of my clients are not only um, excited about, attracted by, and wanting to truly build businesses and not just be an endorser. So you, you have to look at it. Not all deals like that are the right deals, are the smartest deals. So again, you want to find balance in it all, but it's letting guys know and it helps set them up early before retirement that there are these opportunities. I can build a business here. I can, you know, whether it's DeAndre Hopkins with real estate, he loves real estate, he's passionate about it. He's able to develop that while still playing and he still can be a, a top tier star in the league, right? So you let them know and you try to help mold them in the sense that there are other things you can start to do now to build it, but also where do your passions lie? Because mm -hmm. if you have true passions outside of the game, 
let's start to develop that. Let's, how do we grow that? How can we develop that now early on? And like you said, it doesn't have to, you know, come in the way of who they are as an athlete, but they truly can, you know, find success outside of the game and, and develop and move into it quicker as the years come to an end. Was there kind of almost a tipping point on this, um, on this type of, of situation of, you know, the athlete and entertainer as entrepreneur and, and business person, like, like different things get hot at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we're right smack in the, in the middle of like this really high time where athletes and entertainers and entrepreneurs and CEOs, you know, just as you talked about before athletes and teams and athletes becoming, you know, their own personal, they're on that same level, you know, like you are athletes are genuinely now more interested in it's cooler than it's ever been to be involved in companies, or they're looking at entrepreneurs and CEOs the same way entrepreneurs and CEOs used to look at athletes, you know, and learning learning from each other. Was there like a tipping point or can you say, okay, this is one of the guys that did it, you know, early and did it right, you know, and now you got your KD, we talked about Richard doing, and you look at, you know, even like A-Rod and you see these guys on Shark Tank now and you hear what they're doing and you're like, some of the things they're getting talked about, you know, and nothing to do with sports anymore. There's just yeah. some really shrewd business going on. I I would say that I've seen a number of great examples throughout the years and it's just multiplied, right? I loved the, you, you spoke on KD and Rich. I loved the locker room there with those guys at the Warriors because it was KD, it was Steph, it was Clay, but Andre Iguodala. And all of those guys were, competitive, bringing championships, but they were also competitive and bringing championships, not only individually, but together off the court in business in Silicon Valley. And you saw it. You saw these guys get opportunities and they took it serious. I mean, we're talking about Andre Iguodala going and sitting down in boardrooms with just about everyone. KD and Rich sitting down in boardrooms with everyone. In the past, guys wouldn't do that or even have access to that right? Um, They would never be able to sit with these sort of high-level CEOs, uh, founders, professionals. It would be the inverse. They would always maybe just see them at the floor seats. But, you know, I would say the tipping point came for me when I saw it most was around that time and LeBron. You have to give LeBron credit for what he was able to do with Beats and, you know, the... the, um, business model that they built there where you saw the success of it. Mm. Have you always been drawn towards being of service? I mean, to do what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had a moment. um, I, I laugh about it because, you know, we all have moms that may be on our backs a little too much. And I'm like, my mom always wants to just like, care for me and take take care of me and I'm I'm a grown up. I have kids. I can do this myself. And then I had a moment of reflection and I was like, wow, I'm just like my mom. All I'm doing is taking care of these guys. I just want to see them succeed and I want to see them doing so well. Um I'm sort of a protector for them. Um and and it really comes back to 
I have to give credit to who my mom is and how she takes care of not only me and my brothers, but such a massive, extensive family that we have. Um, and, and she's really just a caring person. And I think I got that from her that has now extended into my business. So be, being like that, and I can, I can empathize with that, you know, all day long, very, very difficult to separate the personal from the professional, if you can even separate it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I try to you know, try to focus on controlling what I can control, That mm-hmm. there's a lot that is out of our, that's, that's out of our, our control. Um, talk, walk me through, like, has there been a, you know, a, a really hard moment, you know, or one of those, I know we can talk about the highlight reel, you know, all, all yeah, day long, all day mm-hmm. long. Um, but from a vulnerability standpoint or, or just a tougher moment where, okay, this is out of my control. It's out of my athlete's control, or I tried to get something done. I couldn't get it done. Yeah. You know, those, the things that that's, we don't see, we take for granted, you know, I mean, the stories in the papers are not the ones that are the hours and days and months and years, you know, that yeah. went into, you know, the work behind it. I would imagine there's some that that stung and made you work, you know, harder and come out of it better. And some that were like, great. And said, I'm also now going to use this to platform. You know, and, oh, and work yeah. mm-hmm. it, it's funny you bring this up because just this past weekend, I was with a couple of friends in, in Miami as well. And, and they're in the sports industry. And we were talking about these moments, right? Cause everybody wants to harp on the glitz and the glamor and the excitement of it all. But it's like, what about those hard moments? Those hard moments that really are breakthrough are those moments, like you said, where you're just like, well, you know, pardon my French, but shit, I don't, I don't, I can't even make a change to any of this. Like, what am I going to do? And um, kudos to my, my good friend Ty at EA Sports. But, you know, one of the things that he said is like, we can only control so much. And at times, whether we try to do it, manage it, you know, fix it it's completely out of our control and I can stress over it. I can freak out about it, but I know I'm bringing that stress home to my family. It's not good for me. It's not good for my health. You just have to let it go. And one of the things that I try to hold on to now is just think to the fact that it is business and I try to do it to the best of my ability at all times. But at times these things are going to fall apart. And, it, and there's nothing you can do. And the way I wash my hands from it, and this sounds really bad, <laughs> but I try to bring perspective to it is I'm not curing cancer. I'm not essentially losing a life over this. And I have to remember what it is. And I have to remember I am doing my best. So in those times when it is gone too far and I know I can't control it any longer, I just try to remind myself, give myself, give myself that perspective of it and and grow from it. Was there a learning experience? Can I get this? Because I think failures are important. Those failures help me grow. They help me get through that next hard time. Hey guys, recently I discovered Inside Tracker. What they do is help you take your health to the next level by setting up a blood test, easily showing you your biomarker results and telling you specific things you can do to improve the ones that are at risk. I got clear suggestions on which foods to eat, supplements to take, and lifestyle changes to make. This is important to me. I get my blood work done every year. I've never gotten 
information and insight like what I've gotten from Inside Tracker. It's super important to me at 48 to know what's going on with my body so that I can be at my best for as long as possible. What I got was a clear picture of what my body looks like on the inside, a clear measure of whether my diet and exercise choices are helping or hurting me, a clear idea of who or what to trust when it comes to health, wellness, and performance guidance. If you guys are looking to take charge of your health and wellness, I highly recommend Inside Tracker. To learn more, go to midlifemail.com forward slash partners. Find Inside Tracker's information and all of our Midlife Mail brand partners over there. Do you have certain techniques that you utilize to, to help you let it go? No? Yeah. Like I get told, let it go all the time. Okay. I can't let it go. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, I spent all day trying to figure out how to let things go. You could, uh, whether it's meditation, whether it's spirituality, yeah. whether it's, it's reading, what, what works for you? For me, it's honestly getting in the gym and just trying to get it out physically. That's what works for me. It's like, okay, I'm a pound these weights. I'm going to hit this, you know, run. I'm going to get some shots up in the gym. Whatever I can do to completely remove myself from that situation and just literally aggressively get it out, (laughs) right? Because, you know, I'm a competitor myself as well. Like you said, you don't want to just let it go. And you feel like, no, I could have changed this or I could have changed that. But I that would say would be my first thing that I go to. Um, the second thing is is really meditating our spirituality and religion and just going there and going to a place where I can find calm. Mm. How do you approach fatherhood? Ooh. Um I, I wouldn't say that I have completely figured that out yet. My kids are still young, two and four. Um, but I just try to shower them with as much love and um, let them know that I'm there for them at all times. I know I'm not always there physically, and it's hard because I'm on the road all the time with, with the guys. Um, it's tough. But little moments, for instance, I always drop my daughter off at preschool. It doesn't matter. I'm up super early. I'm handling business. I have to take care of that, but I have to be there for my kids and shower them with love. So I love to be able to take her every morning um, and drop her at preschool when I'm in town. Um, You know, just little things like that. And then I don't mind asking people, (laughs) right? Like, because I don't know it all. This is still new. Like I've only been in it for four years. So I I lean in on my network a lot, network of fathers. Um, I have brothers and sisters. I'm always asking them. I'm asking my wife. My wife is sending me little things all the time. So that's that's really something that I'm still trying to, you know, grow in. Big family, you mentioned brothers and sisters. Everybody nearby, how many? Are you spread out all over the place? We are, I have one sister, and that was a sister I mentioned earlier, who's uh, here in LA area as well. Otherwise, we are spread out, and I have a very big family. Um, My dad had three children before us, um, and then my mom and him had four. Um, Yeah. And thankfully, and and it's the greatest thing ever, is I'm the youngest of everyone. And 
my mom stayed close with those other women. So growing up, my half sisters, you know, there was no half. I grew up with them. And then on their side, they also had half sisters, our brothers. So like our family tree is unbelievably big, but we're all one big happy family. And it it doesn't matter if sometimes on my sister's side where it's a brother by that marriage and I'm not necessarily blood, we're still family. Are you able to practice what you preach? Like (laughs) with your, again, I, I find myself in these moments too, where it's like, I'm saying this, I'm putting this stuff out there. I just, that, that newsletter is going to live. Okay. That yeah. thing that I said on the podcast is going to live. Am I home? And I'm at home checking myself going, am I actually doing this? You know, yeah. <laughs> often, especially when it comes to giving advice to clients. I've even told people like, I, I'm genuinely convinced like you should be listening to me because I don't listen to me, but I think I'm better like probably than you than I even take it to heart myself. What do they call that? That's like the imposter syndrome a bit. Yeah, a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. do do what I say, not what I do. It's yeah, like, right? <laughs> like, I think I'm, I'm spot on with you, but yeah. I'm not doing it. <laughs> L- look, I think we all deal with that a little bit. Um, I try to give them the best advice, but I'm, I'm not perfect myself. Um, but I also try to check myself. And I have a system of checks and balances to where I'm like, hey, make sure you're doing this, right? Like whether it's writing down goals, writing down, you know, to-do lists, like different things where I have that system of checks and balances where I know, okay, if I go back to that, I can come back to neutral and know that, okay, I, I may not be given the best advice and following that advice, but now I'm, I'm finding a way back to what, it, what works best. But now I, I struggle. <laughs> <laughs> What's your, what's your real vision for, for Sanders sports and entertainment? Do you want to be like boutique? Do you want to go big? Do you like, like what, what really kind of like are your passions? I mean, we've talked a lot about your athletes' passions and how you work for that, but what are your passions and the kind of brand that you want to build? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a great question as well. I think that evolves and changes over time as I continue to grow what I've found uh, my passions being at the moment are definitely being more of a boutique shop, but I'm starting to grow that. I have more employees, which you know I'm able to take on more clients. And I find as we take on more clients, I, I my passions shift a little bit, right? It's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I could be in this business. Or we, we talked to VC, and now it's not only by way of my clients, but I'm involved as VC, and I'm... I'm thankfully and and excited enough to get into these opportunities, whether it be, you know, Angel City FC and me and the wife and the family got in on that. And, you know, we're going to be a part of a a, uh, sports club that my daughter can see at at ground level, you know, uh, a women's soccer team. It's unbelievable. So I guess if we were to look at it, I, I want to continue to do the work we're doing now. I want to continue to scale. I definitely want to continue to grow and and add more amazing athletes to the roster, uh, more amazing clients to the roster that I can help develop and grow their individual brands. Um, long-term, I'm open. I can't necessarily say that I want to merge with a, a large firm or stay independent. I'm, I'm not quite sure there. 
Mm-hmm. When you get involved in things, um, again, whether it's whether it's a women's soccer team or when you say, okay, I'm changing, I'm flipping sides in a way from the meeting with the VCs to becoming a VC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the learning curve, you know, and the process too. Okay, I need to learn more here or I'm going to do this on a, on a different side. And you're doing this probably alongside clients as well, alongside your, your brand. Uh, where do you where do you go for advice? Like your mentors, your advisors, you know, mm-hmm. your places to turn to say, we're going to flip sides here. I've never done this before. It's yep. me. Yep. It's this client I represent. I don't. I want to do this right. Okay. What are the steps? Whew. Um, I'm not afraid to just jump in. Right. I I know for a fact I don't know everything, and I'm not afraid to ask. So what I tend to do is lean in on my network. And, and like you said, whether that be a mentor, a friend, and I'm going to be honest and open with it and say, hey, I'm really interested in this. Can I sit down and just pick your brain a bit? Hey, can I, can I join that lunch? Can I step up to the table? And I'm fortunate enough, and I know not everybody is able or capable to do this. Like you said, I've come in and it started slowly with my clients. So when I come in and I'm able to grow with my clients, it's a little bit of a different entry into, you know, the the office per se, right? Um, But the hard work doesn't stop. And no matter what, all it is is networking and just trying to develop and understand that as much as possible. I'm not afraid to pick up a book and read it from, you know, front to back and learn as much as possible about it. Because if I'm interested in it, you know, there's enough access to the information whether it's through an individual directly or online or, you know, podcasts, anything like you can find out about these things no matter what. And that's the fascinating thing about where we're at in today's age is like you literally can become an expert and develop and and grow something pretty quickly and easily. Right. But you got to put the time and effort into it. And, And it's funny. I think, you know, you mentioned Rich. Rich has, has said this, and we've done a couple of things together. We're not afraid to just like say, I don't know shit. Help me, right? Like, but I respect what you're doing and I want to I wanna try to do that myself. Mm. To do that takes a certain semblance of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, that changed over the years. You know, I think there's, there's bravado, you know, sometimes early on. You know, there's maybe a, an ego and reluctance to say what you just said, you know, early on, because, and as you, again, mature, as you get a little bit older, you get a little bit wise, you go, okay, there's so much value in acknowledging what you don't know. Yeah. And, and that confidence that comes along with saying, can I just sit in on that, you know, yeah. and listen, or I don't really have anything to offer here, but you really do. <laughs> and yeah. I like to learn from that. And 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 hear from that, uh, like, kind of when and where did you did you pick that part up, or did you even go through that same transition? I, I think it happened a lot when I was younger, and there's definitely a transition no matter what, right? Um, but when I was younger, um, my mom was, uh, my grandfather was in the military. Um, my mom and all her siblings had to move around about every two to three years. My mom somehow, some way, decided to bring that to our family, even though we weren't in the military. So I moved around a lot when we were younger. 
and I had to make friends. Um, you know, I remember going from Maryland to Seattle and that was the hardest move. I mean, culturally, everything was different, people, everything. But I couldn't just be depressed and sad about it. I, what What's going to connect me? How can I grow and build with, you know, and, and make new friends? And I think that has helped me all the way through business and still to today. Because for me, it's like, I, I can't be afraid to connect with people. I can't be afraid to make new friends. I can't be afraid to learn and grow with other people. And that's been sort of something that I took and understood, I would say probably about six years ago when I really started the business because I had to just jump. I had to just do it. I wanted to, I knew I wanted to do it um, when I was younger and everyone says it, right? And everyone says they are, think they have the confidence, but even me, I didn't have the confidence then. And I had to take everything that I learned along the way, whether I knew how to do it because I learned it from somebody else or I was just kind of trying it, I knew it was time to just go for it and do it. Mm. You've, you've mentioned networking a number of times too, and, and the power of, of networking. And to get where you are, to work with the clients you have, to be able to do, you've got to be a tremendous networker. Are there tips or, or things? How do people, I guess, network effectively with you? And what are those other maybe barriers that are like, that that's not right. Like there are things that probably get through to you. Maybe it's the way they communicate or somebody will put a header and whatever it may be in an email. I read these things too. Like this one got me, this one didn't, you know, the, the things that kind of resonate authentically in terms of, of networking and things that some people do right. And some people just, just don't. Yeah. Oh, that is a balanced approach. I think there are times where it, is seems a bit thirsty and you're trying to get something out of that oftentimes i'm really just interested in people and i'm interested in not only connecting in people and hoping that i get something out of that relationship i'm just a curious being and i just want to understand it's it's funny i was talking to somebody else this weekend while we were in miami at a dinner and you know they mentioned well my business isn't that's this exciting it's not this it's not that and i was like well, how do you know that? It may not be exciting to you, but like, I'm interested to learn what you do. I mean, I have a brother who owns his own trucking company and I'm always asking him questions. Well, how the hell does that business work? Like, what are you doing there? What, what happens when this, you know? So for me, I think it also helps that I come from a really big family and I just have curiosity that I'm looking to just connect with people because I think people are fascinating as a whole. I think it's important as you build that network and you find commonality and you, because one of the things I've realized is people want to do business with people that they like. If you did business with somebody that you were like, that just really stunk and felt bad. Like nobody wants to feel that. We, we often have times where we have to do it, but if you can do business with somebody that you like, it goes so much further and is so much more impactful. So if I can, make friendships and build with people. I know the business that comes out of that is going to be great. Um, sorry, I went off on a rant there. But going back to like just networking as a whole, I, I think you have to find the balance. And I don't think you want to go into it always looking for uh, uh, end result. 
It's not about that. It's not about that at all because you don't know what that is and you're not going to get that in that first conversation. You're not going to get that just by way of a quick email. You have to grow and develop with people. Mm-hmm. I love I love the tangent that you went on about doing business with with people that you like. Um and cuz cuz it is it is vital. Mm-hmm. Um but in relationships, a lot of time, the way people enter relationships is not always the way they, they exit relationships too. We don't get married thinking we're going to get divorced. Statistically speaking, okay, something yeah. happens. You go looking for the prenup again. You wish you had good representation. You had good counsel. You had good mentorship. You get all that best friend who warned you, you know, like all yeah. of those, all of those things. Um, how have you handled you know, at times in your in your career, when maybe some of these relationships don't go as well, or the or the deals don't go as smoothly as you had hoped on the way in, and now you've got a you've got to use tact and skill you know, to, and and patience to maybe either separate or or get out. You know, what are what are some of the things you do then? That I'm not the best at. I'm not going to lie because I'm I'm an emotional person. I love hard. Um, I feel like when we go into these things, we're building a partnership and it is hard for me. And there's been times where I've had to step away and I need to give credit to my wife on these, on this. And she's like, babe, you need to just, you know, remove yourself from that. But it's really hard for me. Um, I guess, shoot, I, I, I would say, I try to get better at that throughout the years because I, I still do remember some of those instances. And I'm like, dang, how did, like, I think back to how did, how did it go wrong? Is it me? Is it my fault? But I have to remember, I think you said it best, right? Like not everything's meant to last forever and, and not necessarily will last forever as much as you put into it, as much as you try. So, um, I don't know. Maybe you can give me some advice on that. <laughs> I, don't know I, I don't know if I can. The reason I ask so many questions is because I don't have any of the answers. Ooh, <laughs> like, that one, yeah, that one's tough for me. I, I struggle with that a little bit. I, I think I think we all do. Um, in there, especially again, as we touched on, when you take business personally or you don't have a separation between business and personal, um, and you've hit on so many high points here. It's like, okay, the power of curiosity. You know, I think when you're, when you're curious by nature, you know, when you really enjoy the networking aspect of it, when you go into things feeling like they're a partnership, you know, all of these things go into the bucket, you know, you talk about the buckets are, and there, and that bucket is overflowing with all of these things. Some that it's, it's sometimes it's hard, harder, you know, when something pulls out of that, you know, on there and it's like, okay. I, I was so all in on this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were so all in on this and makes, it makes it more challenging. For sure. It's, that's tough for me. I think I'm getting better at it. We, we got to ask my wife, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's the answer for most. Ask our wives. Okay. Like, <laughs> it's good. And then I'll get the real story about how I, yeah, how I actually am. Any sugarcoating at all. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have time for hobbies or is business your hobby or your clients, your hobbies or the businesses that your clients are in now? Or, I mean, you got an awesome painting behind you. Are you painting, you know, when this is, um, you know, ah, I don't have that many hobbies because I am so busy and the hobbies do tend to blend with my clients' hobbies. Um, 
I most recently got into wine because of Channing. Um, really, really love some good wine now. I don't, that's a bad hobby, I think. It's not a bad hobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried to get into golf. That didn't work out because, again, with how busy and, and the kids, uh, the time it took, it was just too tough to manage that. One thing I do, and I don't know if you can call it a hobby, but I just really appreciate, and it gives me uh, a time to reflect and kind of pull away, is I read a lot. I read a lot, and I like to read paperback. Um, and just sit there with the book and have a moment, whether it's in the morning and having some coffee, um, and just kind of getting away. I would say that's probably my biggest hobby at the moment. I tried, I tried biking, by the way, like road biking. That was good. That was good during the pandemic. I don't know. LA is not built for road biking. It scares me. <laughs> it's not built for road biking. It's not built for a phone. You know, <laughs> it's not built, not built for a lot of those things <laughs> in there. Do you have a personal style, like, like a, like a uniform, a look, you know, or if I, if I saw you, is this what I'm seeing most of the time? Or are you a mix it up guy? Like, like DeAndre is like, like super style. Yeah. Do you dress? If you, were to ask, or the if you were to ask Nick Young, aka Swaggy P, he's <laughs> gonna definitely tell you I have a look. <laughs> and he's called me out on it numerous, numerous times. I do have what I like to consider a uniform in a sense that I think it gives a little bit of a good crossover uh, of like I look professional, but I also am not buttoned up in a suit kind of guy. So it's, it's about finding the balance. I may have on, you know, some nice chinos or dress pants and then, you know, kind of get a little bit more casual up top, maybe a nice cardigan. But yeah, I would say I have a bit of a uniform. This probably makes it easier to travel too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like if I know this is what I rock. Okay, good. It comes with me everywhere. It takes a lot of the decision-making you know, process out of it. You know, I'm also lucky to have a wife that's, my wife is in fashion and went to fashion school. Mm. So I lean in on her a lot. <laughs> I'm like, help me out here. What? I mean, because I can't be around the most fashionable guys, right? Like we've attended fashion shows around the world. So I think I have a little bit of style, but I think there's a time and a place for everything. And as I'm getting older and, you know, representing the guys, I can't be out there trying to look like DeAndre. That doesn't work. <laughs> You know, there's a, there is a tipping point on that too. You know, like I'm 48 right now and my boys are 17 and 14 yeah. and there are certain things that I just even run by them and they're like, not anymore, you know, or yeah. like, you can't be that guy. Like, here's how far you can push it. You know, here's where it looks ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Things you can do, things you, things you can't do. And what it's do they like, call it? Like the dad swag. And you find the balance between that. I, I think I'm getting there. I'm I'm excited for that phase of the dad swag. <laughs> are you a brand guy? I mean, obviously you do work with a lot of brands, but are you out there, you know, looking, you know, looking at the shelves, being in the stores? Like I'm a label and a brand guy. If I see new, like grain-free tortilla chips, I'm like, I want to know where they're made and who made them. And is this going to be the thing? If it's a clothing thing, are you looking at that stuff? Are you conscious of that? say I look at all of the brands like that and like understanding everything behind it. But I think just by way of being in this industry, I have to be aware of what's new, what's hot, what's coming, not just from a brand's sense, but even trends. Um, I like to like see what the new trends are for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then that obviously 
leans in on what brands are coming behind that trend. So a, a little bit, but not not extremely heavy, I would say. Because I'm all, I, I happen to love that. So I always love looking at, you know, who's with what brand. Okay, there's Ors and Alps. Okay, yeah. matters with this. Yeah. And this one's a Theragun guy. And this one's a Hyper Ice guy. And yeah. this guy's a, uh, like, even like, like Brady and Rogers. And I, I geek out on all this stuff. Like, okay, he's an IWC watch guy. He's a Zenith guy. This stuff yeah. makes sense to me. Like, you start to connect personalities and brands and people all together. Oh, yeah. And that's a no, because if you can connect that brand to those people, that means it's a true partnership and it's, and it's synergistic, right? A lot of times you can look at it and be like, how the hell did that person partner there? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't feel authentic. Right. Um, so I, that's really, really, really an important part of our job as a whole and something I'm always trying to make sure is in the forefront, right? Like you, you mentioned one of our partners, Orson Alps, DeAndre is all about health, sustainability, natural. Um, so when we talk about Orson Alps, he wanted to partner with them. They're all natural. Like we, we sought that partnership out. That wasn't, you know, picking up phones or anything like that. It's, it's something authentic to him. And it just so happened that we were able to find a partnership that worked uh, with them. Same thing with Beyond Meat with DeAndre. Like, you know, he, he switches to a plant-based diet throughout the year, sometimes vegan. Like, he really changes his diet. And that was another one that we just, you know, got to make sure. I mean, I can name a number of them now that, now that we're on this. Like, I T.O. with Febreze. T.O. loves scents. <laughs> like, literally, he's making his own candles right now. And when we were able to do the Febreze, uh, we had a, a multi-year partnership with them. It just made so so much sense. And he was so excited to do it. And he's just spraying the bottles everywhere. And I'm like, it's a lot of Febreze. We don't need all that, right? <laughs> but yeah, that that's truly, truly important. How does that work? Like, So just now again, I really am into Febreze or I'm into all that. Uh, and how does that work now? Do you then just reach out? Like... How does the outreach work? Be like, I actually want to talk to the Beyond Meat guys. Deion, you'd like me to talk to the Beyond Meat guys. Yeah. I got to go find the Beyond Meat guys. And now we got to yeah. try to actually see if they want to engage in this in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a lot of that. It's a lot of cold outreach, um, especially on my side, um, where I'm trying to build these programs and partnerships together. Uh, it's about finding those things that are authentic to the guys. So in the purest form, it is, yeah, really just going out there, hitting the phones, hitting the emails and and trying to hustle up, hustle up per se, the business. Um, but once you figure that out, it's about, okay, it's not just getting connected, but is this the right partnership? And how does it look not only from my client's side, but for the brand side? And what are we doing to make sure that this is going to be a success and a home run? Mm-hmm. How do you approach uh, new clients, you know, looking for new clients or client or potential clients that approach you, you know, for yeah. representation? I'm, I'm thankful and I'm blessed now to be in a position where uh, a number of clients have come by way of referral, um, whether we ended up working together or not. Um, I, I'm lucky that I built a pretty good business. But for me, uh, the way I approach new clients is really understanding who they are, who they want to be. Uh, 
I've been saying it a lot, but it's so much about the brand and it's so much about authenticity. And I need the guys to understand what I'm trying to do to help build their brand and build that legacy for them. And I need them to be bought in because the reality is a number of these guys make uh, a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money by way of their um, you know, profession itself. They don't need to do this extra work. They don't need to jump off the couch or go take meetings and, you know, help really build their brand long term. But if you're passionate about it, you understand it, you want to do it. I'm 100 percent in to support that and help grow and develop that for you. Mm. So it's a two way street for sure. How does the dynamic work between, let's say, yourself, the athlete, the financial advising side, the the, the agent side, even the fam the family side, you know, the whole the whole circle of trust, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I like to tell the guys that at the end of the day, you're the one that's controlling this. You know, everyone is, is, can be fired tomorrow at the, at the end of the day. Um, I could be let go of the financial advisor could be let go of anyone could be let go of. You want to build your team to make sure that they are providing the best services for you and working together because whether we have individual interests and we want to grow them a certain way, we all have to come together and work together no matter what. And, and if we come together, work together, we know we're going to have the most success for that client. So I'm very much a, a team player in that sense. I'm very much, you know, we talked about some of the stuff that I was jumping out of earlier is working with somebody else's team and making sure their goals are aligned with our goals and we make sure that no matter what, we're, the common goal is to look out for that particular athlete. You mentioned when you have time, that you read a lot. Yeah. Not a lot of outside hobbies, not a lot of time for it. What are you reading now? Right now, I'm actually just finishing um, Bob Iger's book, the, uh, Disney. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's been incredible. Uh, his journey what he's built at Disney. Um, I'm, I'm actually in the final pages there. And I'm also in this book club. Uh, we've, we've read a lot of really, really interesting books. Um, the one just before that was uh, Steve uh, Pinkster's Enlightenment Now. Um, okay. And I thought that was an incredible read, especially going through the pandemic, um, just getting a, a perspective that is vastly different than what we're being thrown at all the time and the negativity and all of that, where you can look at it from a different lens and, and see that this is actually the greatest time in the history to be alive. But it's hard because we have so much going on around us. So who invites you to a book club? <laughs> and how do you say, like, how does that, like my wife had a book club. Okay? Yeah. And then we were like, well, this my wife laughed at me. She was like, you're really getting in a, in a book club? Come on, stop. And I was like, well, I read so much on my own. And it's, it's um, a good college friend. Um, and we have a very, very, very unique and high level set of people in this book club. I mean, there's professional athletes in it. There's entrepreneurs in it. There's a World Series of Poker champion in it. Um, there's uh, you know, all sorts of people in this book club. And it's really cool because what we've been successful at, or they have because they built it and I'm in it, have been able to get the actual authors on a Zoom session. 
Mm. So not only are we reading the book and we're talking about it through Slack and all this and just trying to take from it, but we also at the end are able to, it's been like nine times, excuse me, nine times out of 10 to actually connect with the author and, and answer questions that we've all had. That's, that's awesome. And, and the consistent theme through all of this, and now whether it's the book club, whether it's the client relationships, it's, you know, idea through execution, mm-hmm. which is you can have an idea for something if you don't execute it. So what, I mean, you can take a book club and you can transcend the notion of a book club and execute it so well that it's a sought after club to be in yeah. with an appearance by the author of each book that shows up at, at, the, at the end of this too. It's nuts. Kudos to the guys that helped build it, Ryan and John. Um, but they they've done an incredible job of curating like a really good group of guys. Like I said, I mean, you can lean in on those guys. And and again, we talk about network, but that's just another network that I'm involved in. And, and I can lean into them on so many different things that I want or need. Really, really great stuff. And Doug, I appreciate your time so much, so much today. This has been, this has been fantastic. It's enlightening to get an idea, uh, of, of how you operate, you know, how your business works. Uh, so many of the similarities between sports and entertainment management, athletes in their transition and what we're trying to, trying to work on, you know, as men, you know, moving, moving the ball. Up the court, you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. All the time. So thank thank you so much for this. How do people find you if they want to follow you? I mean, you're pretty active on pretty active on social, doing some really yeah. cool shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, please so, yeah. find me um, on Instagram. It's actually my name, uh, Doug Sanders. I'm active on Twitter. That was my old handle, which is DougieFresh21. I'm honestly always available whether it be LinkedIn, um, reach out. I like to connect with people. Like I said, it doesn't matter. Hopefully I can help a person or two along the way as well. So, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Midlife Mail Podcast, Doug Sanders, founder Sanders Sports and Entertainment. Guys, check him out. He's doing some amazing things with some amazing people out there. So support him, support the clients, support the products, the brands, everything out there. I think you'll be super, super impressed. If you like what you hear, please give us the five-star rating. Please leave us a nice review. You can find me at Greg Scheinman, gregscheinman.com. I am also available to you. Let me know who you want here on the show. Let me know your feedback. I'm always open. Thank you guys so much, Doug. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate that. You're the best. Thank you. I appreciate it.